Acts chapter 1 is our main text this morning. Thank you, Jackson. Thank you, everybody on the worship team. They were up here for hours yesterday practicing and preparing for leading worship this morning. And we are, you might have gotten to know a little bit more about us than you bargained for today. But uh, we are real people. And uh, we like to have fun and uh, have a, a good time cutting up. If you're joining us online today, uh, in person today, thank you for being here. I posted this morning that uh, today is national get out of bed and get dressed and come to church in person day. Because, uh, you know, every day lately has been national Sunday, national daughter day, national pizza day. My favorite National Donut Day. I mean, you have all these special days. So Jesus said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Uh, and even more as you see the day of God approaching. So what an awesome uh, command and challenge this morning. You know, we started a brand new series. And Mark, I'm getting some feedback up on the stage this morning. Uh, but we're getting uh, starting this brand new series uh, looking about following and learning what it means to follow Jesus. As we study through the Gospel of Mark. Jesus is just beginning his earthly ministry, just starting to uh, conduct uh, uh, teaching and preaching. And as he would go throughout uh, villages and towns, he was connecting with people and building real relationships with people that would lead to life change. And last Sunday we talked about how ministry can happen anywhere. Christ uh, went into the synagogue and and he began to minister and share and to teach and life change was taking place in the synagogue. It was a place where uh, the Jews would gather, it was a gathering place, a place where the scriptures were taught and Jesus would work in those religious settings and he would also, he went over uh, after that uh, meeting, he went over to the home of Simon and Andrew and uh, Simon's mother-in-law was there and she was uh, struggling health-wise, had a fever. We talked about it. If it were 2021, she had COVID. And uh, he literally grabbed her, reached out and grabbed her hand. And he said, uh, I want you to rise up and walk. And, and he healed her and radically transformed her life. And, you know, it's, it's awesome just to see how there are opportunities all around. As I challenged you last Sunday, don't ever take for granted that the person sitting next to you in church has a relationship with Jesus. You never know what their walk with God may be like. And, and they need to know that Jesus Christ loves them and radically can transform their life. And so it's a reminder. I, I shared about how my roommate in college in a Christian college where we're studying to be pastors and he was studying to be a worship pastor and he got saved in a service on, at the campus church and I remember thinking to myself, I thought Will was saved this whole time and yet he walks down and receives Christ as a savior. I've watched a service where the worship pastor at a church that was running over 10,000 on Sunday, had to look at his assistant worship director and says, hey, will you lead this invitation song? And he walked down and accepted Christ as his savior during a song he was leading. And talk about life change. You never know when God is going to radically transform the life. And uh, last, last Tuesday, JR and I were having lunch together, and, and he prayed and uh, placed his faith in Jesus Christ as his savior. What an awesome thing just to see lives are being changed by Christ. So don't take for granted the religious settings, these gatherings, and the opportunity we have as you're serving and, and plugging in and worshiping to, to utilize that relationship to read, uh, lead people to Christ. But 
don't take for granted the opportunities as you gather during the holidays for Thanksgiving, for Christmas, for some of these special events in your life when you gather with friends and family, the opportunities we have to share Jesus Christ and see him transform their lives. This morning we're going to look and see how Jesus prioritized his time with the Father. And he was an early riser. He was getting up before the day would get started. And he would carve out some quality time with his father. And because he understood the importance before everything in life begins to distract us, we've got to hear from God. And if we're going to follow his example, we have to be intentional with our spiritual time. And be an early riser. I heard a pastor say years ago, he says he was super busy. He was traveling all over the world and, and preaching. And he says, before I get busy without my day, going throughout the day, he says, I get up and I spend an hour in, in, in God's word and on my knees in prayer. And he said, from time to time, I'll, I'll be talking to someone. They said, Pastor, I don't have that kind of time in my life. I'm just too busy. And he said, I'm too busy not to spend an hour before my day begins in prayer and, and in the word of God. And what a convicting uh, thought to think this morning that we have so much time that we so devote to so many other things. And I, I don't know if you get this, but on my phone, it, on Sunday morning, it's kind of interesting. It's the first day of the week, but it'll give me my screen time for the week. And it'll go on my screen and it'll tell me how much time I've been on my phone. And, and you can go into the settings and see how much of that was spent in the Bible app versus, you know, social media and, and the news apps and some of the, the games that we play and things that we're doing with our time. We have time, and it's just a matter of how are we utilizing that time for the glory of God. I think that the thing that we've learned through the pandemic is we've learned what truly is essential and what is non-essential in our lives. I made a confession a few Sundays ago that in March and April and May of 2020, I was just straight up being honest. I kind of enjoyed having my Saturdays back. I mean, when you've got four kids, uh, you know that your Saturdays are no longer free. I mean, there are no, I mean, enjoy this time while it lasts because, I mean, before long, I mean, there's every kind of sport known to man, and it, uh, and you get involved in them, and, it, and it's exciting to see the kids grow and have a great time, and I'm not against all that, but I was straight up honest, I enjoyed having, it was kind of selfish on my part, but I enjoyed being able to sleep in on a Saturday, and there was no 8 o'clock games or, or practices or any of those things, but don't get me wrong, I love sports, I love our kids have the opportunity, but if we're honest, all of these things can be so consuming that they consume our time and draw us away from that relationship with God. It robs us of so much of a higher priority that God wants to accomplish in our lives. So if you don't have time to go to church this morning because of sports, can I just encourage you and challenge you, you're too busy. You need to reorder your priorities. If you're too busy with work to go to church, you need to reorganize your priorities. If you're too busy in life to have time for God and His Word, you need to reorganize your priorities and allow the Holy Spirit of God to transform you. So don't let anything else become your God. Let's look at Mark chapter 1. I'm going to dive into our text this morning. Mark chapter 1, beginning of verse 35, will be on the screen. Rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark... This is Jesus we're talking about. He departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he did what, church? He prayed. And Simon, those who were with him, searched for him. They found him and said to him, 
Everyone is looking for you. Do your kids ever say, everyone's doing it, Dad. Everyone is looking for you. And he says, he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. He went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts. May your Holy Spirit arrest our attention. And over the next few moments, God, may we just focus on your word. And Lord, uh, the, the importance of carving out that time early in the morning to prioritize that relationship with you. And God, for those of us that know Christ as our Savior, may we be challenged not to allow the world to uh, call the shots on what's important to us. But God, may we focus on that relationship and make that a priority very early in the day. And God, may it then order our steps. And Lord, that we might uh, apply our hearts to knowledge and, and to do good instead of evil. God, would you do a mighty work in our hearts? And those that may not know Christ as their Savior today, Father, would you speak to their heart and draw them to yourself? And may they bow their knee and confess you as Lord and Savior this morning. God, will give you the praise and honor and glory. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Don't you love Simon Peter? He's notorious for shoving his foot in his mouth and i mean sometimes it's really it's kind of hard once you get your foot in your mouth to ever get it out and and save face so to speak but he's like come on jesus what are you doing i mean everybody's searching for you what are you could you possibly be doing up here that's so important and and, and folks christ wasn't lost he wasn't late he's always on time sometimes you and i or get into such a rush in the rat race of life that if we're not careful, we'll start saying, where is God when I need him most? Where is God in the midst of this crisis in my life? Why hasn't he to turn the corner on this or that and made everything just turn out rosy and beautiful? Why did not God rescue me in my time of distress? But folks, this morning, Christ is never late. Peter's looking for him. He says, everybody's searching for you. And we see Jesus' practice here was an early riser. He was, he was concerned about that relationship with God, his Father. And his practice was he would rise up very early. Verse 35 says, early in the morning, while it's still dark, he departed and went out into a desolate place, and there he prayed. Think about this for just a moment. This is God's Son, Jesus Christ. The Son of God, deity, God in the flesh, prioritized time where before he would begin his day, his ministry that day, he's going to get up while everyone else is still asleep, while it's still dark outside, get away privately and spend some quality time with the Father. Somehow he saw the importance of spending that quality time. And if Jesus was the only person to ever live a perfect life, sinless life. Think about it, folks. You and I need to take notes. This is vital for our success in the Christian walk in 2021, that we've got to spend that time with God and in his word, allowing him to transform us from the inside out. He, Jesus' practice was to get up early while it was still dark, get in a quiet place, a prayer closet, wherever it might be, a desolate place, and spend quality time with God. He had gotten as much sleep as he needed. He got up while it was still dark and got alone to pray. Soon he had slipped out of the house 
Simon, Andrew, everybody, all the family members. Uh, you ever stay at someone's house and you wake up early and everybody else is sound asleep and you're like, I'm a, do I open the door? Is the alarm going to go off? I mean, is the dog going to start barking? I mean, how is it going to work? And so Jesus slips out the back door and he gets alone. Maybe he goes up the mountainside. We don't know exactly where it was. But he slipped out of the house and found a remote spot to pray. He needed to find a place for solitude, a place of privacy, a place of restoration and fellowship with the Father. And folks, we don't know exactly where that was, but it was a place that he wasn't getting push notifications on his phone that, uh, by the way, we're at war uh, and, and our nation. By the way, uh, you see what's happening. And I mean, our po politicians are destroying our entire nation. Can I get a witness? Turn all that junk off. I mean, the other night we were sitting there having dinner, and what happens? Uh, an Amber Alert went out on Friday night. And the entire restaurant sounded like we were about to have an explosion. I mean, it was like, boo! And everybody grabbed their phone and started looking around, and it's like somebody's missing. I mean, what's better is when WREL gives you an alert that there's a flash flood warning. It's 2 a.m. I mean, who goes back to sleep after those announcements? But, I mean, he had to get away from all of the noise so he could focus on his relationship with God. What was he praying about in verse 35? The word doesn't tell us exactly what he was praying. Often we use uh, acts, which is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, uh, supplication, but not Jesus. Jesus did not have to confess anything because he was right with God. He was, he was deity. He was God in the flesh. But we cannot be sure there was adoration and there was thanksgiving, there was petition before, the God, before God. He knew how to pray. He prayed for his disciples. In Luke chapter 22, the word tells us, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. As a father of, of four kids, one of the most challenging things we do is to pour into their lives and teach them right from wrong and teach them how to make godly decisions and Christ-honoring decisions. But then you're preparing them, as a, the Word of God says, as an arrow, and you're pointing them out towards into the world to go out and be a light for Jesus Christ. And I'll be honest, that scares the mess out of me. I mean, you're like, you're thinking, my daughter is in a, in, in a, in a college, in a university setting, and she's hearing things that we don't believe is right, and yet we're training her to go out there and be a bold witness for Jesus Christ. And folks, I'm praying that God puts the right influences around her. I'm praying for the young man that she will one day marry, that he is right now setting himself apart for God, that God would use him and work in his life. And one day when that time is right, and I'm fine if that's 29 or 35 or, you know, whatever. I'm totally fine. Yeah, I, I'm, my wife reminded me that she said, you know, I, was, I had a child at 22. I mean, we got married and she was young and, and, and I was a little bit older, but, uh, and we get married and, and all of a sudden she's like, I've got a child at 22 years old. She said, we could be grandparents in like three years. And I'm like, no, we still have kids in our house. We can't be a grandparent at this age. But who knows? But we're praying even now that God is preparing the right person and praying that God. So he, Jesus is praying for his disciples 
Satan is demanding to have you, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. So when you get up in the morning, you're praying, God, I want you to get a hold of the heart of my children. I want you to guide them, guard their hearts. May they put you first and seek to please you all the days of their life. The Bible says, you know what, even when we don't know what to pray, you ever been there before? I don't even know what to say. I mean, there are times in this life, I don't even know where to go. And it says in those moments, the Holy Spirit of God utters prayers us. Woo! Isn't that awesome? To know that God loves us so much, His Holy Spirit is praying for us. And, and, and Jesus was under a constant barrage of endless needs and exhausting people. I mean, everywhere He went, I mean, they're, they're touching His garments. I mean, they're, they're just trying to get a, a picture of them climbing up in trees. They're going up on the roof and tearing holes in the roof and lowering people. I mean, he couldn't get away. He'd get in the boat and try to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And they're rushing around and gathering by the thousands. And he's feeding 5,000 people. And the disciples are having a panic attack. And all of the things that are happening. Jesus was under a constant barrage of endless needs. The only way he could create margin was to be with the Father is to wake up early. Earlier than everyone else. And think about it, folks. If we're going to have that most valuable time with the Father, we've got to learn to be an early riser. And I'll be honest, I'm not an early riser by, by habit. I don't wake up jumping up, you know, kicking my feet together, uh, loving the morning time. I mean, 10 o'clock, if you want to have a, a meeting at 10 p.m., I'm good with that. I mean, I, I'm wide awake. I mean, I have to, you know, sometimes I take medicine just to turn it off. I had a, my annual physical the other day, and he said, how do you sleep? And I said, well, it's hard to turn all this mess off because in my head, it's like I'll lay down, and I'm thinking of the next day and the agendas and the people I'm meeting with and all of these things that are coming up. And if I'm not careful, folks, it will be overwhelming. But he says... He, spend time with God. Jesus could discover God's plan before the day started by removing the distractions around them. We say we want to hear God speak, but far too often we fall, we fail rather to remove the other distractions and hear the still small voice of God. In Psalm 46, 10, it says, Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth and folks we need to be reminded especially in the day and age in which we're living in the last 18 months when it seems like nothing else makes sense in this life we've got to be reminded God is sovereign he's holy he's overall and when everything seems out of control he's still very much in control he'll be exhausted among the nations and in the earth do you ever sit there and I know this sounds totally uh, probably uh, You'll think less of me about it, but sometimes I'm like, I just want to be there when some of these crazy people uh, have to bow the knee and confess Jesus is Lord. Anybody else? I mean, I want to see it uh, when, when uh, our presidents and our senators and some of these crazy kooks that are in Washington, I want to see them bow the knee and say, you've been lying for like centuries. I mean, I want to see you bow the knee. And uh, that sounds terrible. But you know, at the end of the day, Jesus Christ says that's what it's going to be like. So let him handle it. Instead of getting all boiled up and mad and angry, turn off the news. It'll get you so depressed and feeling helpless. Turn it off and listen to the voice of God 
listen to this, the word and worship are the cure for what, church? Worry. Tweet that. All right? Take a picture of that this morning because the word and worship are the cure for worry. Because if you're not careful, you can turn on any app you want to. WREL, it's all trash. I mean, CNN, it's all trash. Fox News, it's all WTV. It, every bit of it is going to depress you and discourage you. You're like, man, kids are getting kidnapped in our own city walking to school. I mean, we're watching the destruction. I mean, if you tear up a bathroom uh, in, in your public school, let me just tell you what my dad would have done to me. We probably could repeat that on the, on, on the platform here of the church, but uh, he would probably be in trouble right now with the law. But I'm telling you, my child better not ever come home and I find out that they're tearing up the toilets and soap dispensers in their public high schools. It ought not be happening. Parents, have conversations with your kids. But then don't sit there and worry over every single thing that's happening in this world because it'll destroy your work for God. The word and worship are the cure for worry. I often post a verse that God has shown me in my time with God or a song that I've been listening to on social media. And I don't do it so that you're like, wow, Pastor David is, is brilliant. I mean, he's posting all these verses or, or worship songs. No, that's not the reason I post it. I post it because it's something that God has shown to me and spoken through the word or through the worship to me, through prayer to me. And I want it to be a blessing in your life like it was in my life. And Jesus' practice was to begin his day and, and, and spending time with God in worship and, and, and time in prayer, communing with God. And if we'll be quiet, he has so much to teach us about trusting in him. Over the last week, I'm not going to lie, I, I've sat there and watched as one of my best friends in the entire world has been battling COVID, Pastor Omar in, in um, Madagalpa, Nicaragua. During the last 18 months, we have lost way too many people to this horrible disease. But having traveled extensively around the world, I have friends on multiple continents, and my heart is just, I mean, it's, it's so heavy because you're thinking, we're losing people in rapid numbers in the U.S. with all of the technology we have today. And I'm sitting here watching one of my best friends in the entire world. We were like great friends in 1998. Some of you, they weren't even born then. I mean, you know, some of these kids are, are hardly even existing yet. And I'm like, since 1998, all these years of ministry, we've been really close friends. And I'm sitting here thinking, God, please watch over, protect our guys in India and, and Panama and, and Nicaragua and, and, and Guyana and all these different countries around the world. And like, God, they don't have the, the resources that we have. And all of a sudden, a couple weeks ago, I found out Pastor Omar has, uh, uh, has uh, COVID. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, please don't let him have to go to the hospital. I've seen the hospitals in, in Nicaragua. That's not the place you want to go. And, and, and the doctor was coming to his house and... He was on IVs in his own house and on oxygen in his own house. And I'm thinking, I mean, God, please protect his life. And then this week he went in the hospital. And I'm not going to lie, for a, a brief moment I was starting to panic thinking, all right, God, I mean, what in the world are we dealing with here? I mean, I want, I want to find a doctor who can get me some antibodies and I'll get on a flight and I'll fly to Madagalpa and I'll make sure we get him the right cure to get him well. And, and I, 
about a few days through this past week, it was like the Holy Spirit of God convicted me and said, hold on just a second, Pastor David. I mean, what have you been preaching about all of this time? Who created Omar? I'm being straight up honest with you. Because there was a, a panic of, I can't lose one of my closest friends in ministry. And all of a sudden it was like God says, I'm very well aware of what's going on. And I'm still on the throne. And I'm still sovereign. And I'm still in control when all of the circumstances. And one of the deacons at his church sends me a video of them loading him in the ambulance. I'm like, oh dear God, no. Please don't go to the hospital. And found out, I mean, everything is looking worse and worse. And I'm thinking to myself, what are we going to do if... if He's got a, a family and a church to, we've helped plant that church. And we, God said, I've got this. A couple days ago, Friday, he went home from the hospital. and He's improving and he's not completely well, but he's getting there. And I'm sitting here thinking, God says, I am completely and totally in control of this situation. I'm the great physician. I'm the healer. Trust in me. And, and folks, I can handle this. And sometimes when we feel helpless, we have to turn to the Word and to worship. And it breaks free from the worry in our lives that keeps us in tune with, with, with our feelings. And, and, the, and, the, and the devil is trying to destroy us. Chapter 1, we see the, the first of three prayers of, of Jesus in Mark, and the first prayer of his ministry is first being defined, and and then in Mark ch chapter six we see he's wanting to break, they're wanting to make him king, and and the last prayer in the Mark fourteen is when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's asking his Father to remove the cup from me. So we don't know what his prayer was here in Mark chapter one, but we can be sure he was petitioning and going before the throne of God and commuting with his Father. The setting for each one of these is different. But folks, it's all in solitude and darkness. And it's here that Jesus finds strength in prayer and in intimate fellowship with God. What a valuable lesson for you and I today. We see also what others' expectations are. And, and, and folks, don't allow the, the perceptions of other people around you to crowd out what God wants to accomplish in and through your own heart and your life. He says in verse 36, Simon and those who were with him searched for him. They found him and said to him, Hey, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. The other's expectations around him were such that, Jesus, you've got better things to be doing. Simon and the others were searching for him. Have you ever just needed a break and wanted a moment of silence and solitude and Every woman, every mother in the building and online this morning is saying, thank you, Jesus. I mean, somebody finally said, I mean, do you ever hide in the pantry? I mean, just get a little step stool and you just turn off the light and like nobody's going to find me in here at least for 30 minutes. Or maybe you go to the bathroom and just kind of hover and hunker down and, and, and that's like your moment of, of silence when nobody else is in the building. You just pretend you didn't hear your kids when they're calling you, mommy, 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 mommy. And it's like, I need a break from all up. Peter and the others were searching for Jesus. Sometimes when you try to be a Mary in a Martha world, you can't get past everyone's expectations of you and how you need to be doing other things. Jesus needed time alone with his father so that he was armed for the battle that would lie ahead. As a pastor, 
I've got to be prayed up because I don't ever know when my day is going to take a complete 180 degree turn and you're in the middle of a crisis helping a family that's battling uh, some of the struggles that de the devil is facing and placing on their families. And folks, you've got to be walking with God so when those moments arise, you can step up and be the man of God, the pastor that God has called you to be. I've got to be the husband that God has called me to be no matter what all the external influences are around me. I want to be the father that God has commanded to me to be so that I can lead my kids with, with integrity and character. I, I've got to be the, the leader in my home, in my neighborhood, in my community, in my city that God has called me to be. And folks, as pastors, if we're not careful, we can be more inclined to build a crowd than to have a right relationship with God. I know pastors did all about a brand, and it's all about selling books and doing movies and doing speaking engagements all around the world, and folks, all at the sake of their relationship with God being where it ought to be. As pastors, folks, it ought not to be about a crowd, it ought about be building a relationship with God that will pour over and overflow into the lives of others around us. Jesus understood the difference between the urgent and the important. Think about that for just a moment. He understood the difference between the urgent and the important because if we're not careful, everything else will become more urgent in our life and become more important. Jesus said, you know what? I've got to do the will of my Father. That's why I'm here. He refused to allow other people's agendas to deter him from his Father's plan. May this be a reminder this morning if we'll allow it. We will allow good to crowd out the great things that God wants to do in our hearts. We'll allow good things in our life to replace the great things that God wants to do in and through our lives. We must spend that quality time with God every morning in order to focus on what is truly most important. John Stott this, said this, he said, Christianity is in its very essence a religion of the Word of God. And folks... This, the Word of God is very much alive, and if we will allow it to, it will speak to our heart, and it will transform our lives on a daily, continual basis. Martin Luther said this, let us consider it certain and conclusively established that the soul can do without all things except the Word of God. And that where this, where this is not, there is no help for the soul in anything else whatsoever. See, what happens is as we're growing in relationship with God, you've got to be more in tune with the Word of God every single day because the struggles that the devil's going to place in your path is going to trip us up. And we need something that's going to point us in the way of truth and righteousness that we should carry on. E. Stanley Jones said once described prayer as a time exposure to God. He's used the analogy of being like a photographic plate that when exposed to God, progressively bore the image of God in keeping with the length of exposure. On my iPhone, I love at nighttime when you're trying to get a night shot and you hold down that button and it takes a few seconds now because it's like it's capturing the full view of what you're, what you're seeing on, on the camera. And it's absolutely astounding. Some of the photographs you can take, I'm like, I don't think some of these big cameras can take pictures like that. It, it's so amazing. But folks, what happens is it's about the exposure to God. 
Because the more we're exposed to God and his word, the more he begins to transform and we bear the image of God. So what did Jesus say in verse 38? He goes on, he says, let's go on to the next town that I may preach there also, for that's why I came out. Christ never lost sight of his mission. It's He's getting alone to pray about the next day and what God was going to have for him. So I'm just saying, everyone's looking for you. We need you. God, we, Jesus, we need you. He says, no, it's time to move on to the next city or the next town. We have more to do. And I was telling somebody about Pastor Omar. Uh, this, the other night we had a prayer meeting for him on Thursday. And, and I said, yeah, we, I said, I remember uh, going door to door on visitation with Pastor Omar. And we'd go to some of these villages where they're planting churches at and Pastor Omar, we knock on the door, and I was like, I'm just a silent partner because he's speaking in Spanish. And I'm like, it's way over here. I mean, I, those two years I had in high school, I mean, long gone. I mean, I can say, uh, don't style baño. I can get to the bathroom. I can get a taco. But, I mean, I don't know a whole lot else in, in Spanish, and I'm relying on him. And, and Pastor Omar is having a quick conversation, and it would kind of get a little testy for a second. And I was like, next thing you know, we're marching on to the next door. And I said, Pastor Omar, what just happened, brother? He said, they're not interested. <laughs> and he didn't let any grass grow under his feet. We were off to the next town, the next house, the next village to reach them with the gospel. And that's what Christ is saying here. He says, when Peter's saying, we've got all these things to do, he says, no, it's time to move on to the next town and reach them with the gospel. We never lost sight of the mission of making disciples. So what's the application, Pastor David? Verse 39 says, he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in the synagogues, and casting out demons. As Christ would come into every single town, whether it was Caesarea, Philippi, whether it was, it didn't matter where he was going, as he would travel from village to village to town to town, he was reaching people with the gospel. He was radically transforming lives. He was casting out demons. We saw that a couple Sundays ago. Because Jesus had spent quality time with God every morning. He didn't get bogged down with the affairs of this world. He didn't get on Facebook and start chewing people out. He didn't send out mean tweets. He didn't give everyone a piece of his mind. The Word of God says he preached and cast out demons. This week I was reminded, I was, I'd had a, a doctor's appointment and they came and sent me a text and said, we'd love for you to do a review of our medical practice. I was like, I don't have time for this. Well, I actually hit the button and didn't realize it was going straight to the review and it was on Google. And I was like, oh man, I should have shut that off. And I looked and every Google review I'd ever done was right there. I thought, you know what? Some people, they have one little bad, tiny experience and boy, they are ready to slay Utterly. As a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't want my name out there like that. That all I do is slam everybody around me. Because is that pointing them to the, towards the Savior? Absolutely not. I say, well, Pastor, that you know, you don't understand what a review is all. Yeah, I do. Especially in 2021, I mean, every restaurant you go into is understaffed. Sometimes the person who took your order is also the cook, and they're also cleaning. When you go into a church, 
Just because everything is set up means that everybody, there's a ton of people, volunteers, behind the scenes, making sure 7.30 in the morning, people were here getting ready for worship this morning at 10.30. What happens is sometimes if we're not careful, we can start giving everybody a piece of our mind and get in the flesh. And what we fail is we fail to be a bold witness and light for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because Christ spent time with the Father, he didn't get bogged down with the affairs of this life. He preached and cast out demons. If Jesus was diligent to spend time with his Father, how dependent of that time should you and I be this week? How much should we carve that out and make that a priority in, in our daily walk with Christ? Before the day begins, nobody wants you more than Jesus. Think about that. Nobody wants you more than Jesus. So why not make that a priority, whether it get on the, on the back porch, maybe it's arrive early and sit in your car for a few minutes before you start your day at work, but spend that quality, maybe turn off the news and turn on the worship. Yeah, And let's start, if people, you might be raising your hand, well, don't raise both of them while you're driving down the road, but I mean, you might be singing, having a good old time, and you look over at the person beside you, like, man, that person has lost their mind. Yeah, yeah I have. I've fallen in love with Jesus, and he's radically transforming my life. See, the quality of, of time spent with Jesus is directly related to the intentional time that you will later spend with other people in investing in their walk with Jesus. So what happens is you'll be more likely to reach your one this year with the gospel as you are spending quality time with Jesus. Because what happens is as we're prayed up, as we're prepared, God will start opening our eyes to the, those around us, the relationships, the family members, the friends, the co-workers, the, the classmates, the team members around us that God will use us to reach with the gospel. How will you get started if you don't have a Bible reading plan, join one, go to YouVersion app and find one of the Bible. For, there's ones that read through the Bible in an entire year. You can read in chronological order. You can find one for every week of the year. You can find, there, there's a million different kinds. But start making it a daily discipline. Then go on and read the next few verses, the last uh, six verses, verse 40 through 45 this week. So we look at how Jesus isn't afraid of your mess. In fact, ministry, true ministry is very messy, but that's exactly what Jesus Christ specializes in. So this, this week, as you're thinking about preparing for church next Sunday, why don't you invite that friend? You say, oh man, she is a train wreck, then next Sunday is her Sunday. I mean, they're, they're a complete disaster. Then that's the place, this is the place they need to come. Because folks, we're all a trophy of God's grace. As God is radically transforming our lives, what happens is people don't see us and the mess that we've made of our lives, but they see the God in us who is shining through us to point others toward a relationship with God the Father. Heavenly Father, would you speak to our hearts this morning? What a privilege we have to gather this morning in worship. And God, it's a, it's a privilege to know you in an intimate way, and God, to spend that time in your word. God, would you convict us this morning? If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
had to rise up early before his day began and get along with the Father. Lord, how much more vital is that for you and I as Christians? That we start our morning with devotion, start our morning in the Word, start our morning in worship and praise and prayer and adoration, God, and lifting up your name and allowing you to transform our lives. God, would you do a mighty work this morning? Lord, those that do not know you as Lord and Savior, God, may this moment be that moment of decision for them that they confess you as Lord and Savior and place their faith and trust in you for salvation. Do a mighty work, God. We'll give you all the glory, all the honor and praise. In your name we pray. Amen.